I knew, um, yeah, I knew I could, you know, um, race with the, the best girl in the world and be there and try to uh, reach the podium. Excellence is about spin, and excellence is a requirement for your dream come true. Welcome to Unfiltered Athletes. I'm your host, Leo. In this podcast, we go behind the scenes with world-class athletes to reveal the untold stories of their journeys. From grueling training sessions to mental strategies to achieve greatness, get ready for a raw, unfiltered look at the world of sports. In this episode, I talk to Audrey Lacroix, a three-time Olympian swimmer specialized in the 200-meter butterfly. Through a 16-year career, Audrey won many international medals and also faced challenges while dealing with anxiety. We cover the importance of mental health in sports, and Audrey also brings us in her post-career projects, which include writing for the Olympian Committee and community management. For Audrey, swimming started very early in her youth. In my case, it was always my mother because my father uh, back then was afraid uh, to swim. I couldn't swim. It was actually like grabbing the side of the pool. Okay. So, of <laughs> course, like uh, my mother was with me. Uh, and I think I remember like maybe I was like a, a toddler more, um, probably not six months old, but yeah, a toddler. So maybe three years old. Uh, and my mother was with me in the, the community pool in Port Rouge. And uh, I wanted to go to the deep end. Um, you know, I, I saw like people swimming there, um, doing like laps and doing uh, artistic swimming. And that's, you know, I wanted to go there. <laughs> okay. So that's the first memory, told memory, you know, yeah. because you don't really remember I, I don't, the six you know, months I old. I remember <laughs> being in the pool and um, with my mom. But yeah, like she, she told me that, you know, I was really courageous and brave and that I wanted to try everything. Okay, so usually one of the questions that I like to ask is like, is your family in sport or in your sport in swimming? But it seems like your father clearly <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> no. And your mom kind of knew how to swim but wasn't really into like competition. So were you the first one in your family uh, getting to a high level of uh, in swimming? Uh, well, the, the, my dad played hockey for a while and he, he was not, I couldn't say eye level, but he was, I heard he was pretty good for, you know, uh, uh, a guy from a, a small town. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he played for a while. He even played when I was born, like he was playing in some kind of uh, uh, league. You know, he was competitive, but uh, <laughs> for older men, uh, he was, you know, thir around his uh, 30s. Uh, back then and um, so my dad was into competitive sports like baseball and stuff mm -hmm. like that when he was younger but my mom was really not the athletic type um, so she was more like leisure and being outside and her family at the cottage so that's why she knew how to swim um, but yeah she was she didn't do any type of uh, competitive sport okay and so at what point did you get into like actually actual uh, competitive uh, swimming was there a specific point in time that you kind of remember uh, that it it went from a hobby in a sense to uh, an actual uh, discipline and something <laughs> you know something that you wanted to uh, really push towards well the, the the my first swimming competition i was really young i was uh, six years old when my parents uh, registered me to the swim swimming club in in my small town Um, so I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, learning the strokes and learning the techniques, but um, I couldn't say, like, you know, I was doing competition and they were, they, they were taking my time and I was improving and getting like ribbons and stuff. But I think it's more when I was like 10, 11 years old that I really decided that I wanted to 
not only do these competitions with my friends and you know in the the region but also wanted to try bigger competition and you know try national stuff maybe okay and have you uh, tried other sports or did you know from the get-go that it would be your sport and that you only focused on uh, on swimming uh i tried other sport uh of course like i started swimming at six so you know i was always and i never stopped so every year i would join the the swim team But, um, you know, during summer, like our uh, swim club was closing for summer. So during summer, I did other sport, either like, uh, you know, organized, organized sport competition like tennis. Uh, and also with my family, we did like cross country skiing every winter, alpine skiing a little bit. Um, I played like sports at school to try different stuff. Uh, but nothing really stick except maybe tennis, but I was so bad at it that I knew <laughs> that, you know, I couldn't do, uh, join a higher, uh, competitive program, uh, in tennis, but I played for seven years, seven summers, um, until I was 13, until swimming took up like most my summer and then I couldn't, um, keep going. But, uh, yeah, that's one sport I really enjoyed tennis, but you know, I know that was not taking me anywhere. Um, so, um, yes, swimming was always like my main focus and my main sport. Okay. And was there a, a moment when uh, swimming became at least in your eyes, more important than school or did you, were you always like a good student putting studies first and, and swimming second? I was always a good student, but I did not have to put a lot of effort in it. So, of course, like during, um, you know, primary school, it, like for most people, it's easy. Um, and yeah, like it, for me, it, it was not a concern like sport or school. Mm -hmm. When I joined the um, sports con concentration program uh, for high school, um, I think even like the first year, Um, my sport was a little bit more important, okay. but I was, I was really good at school. So I knew that, you know, I, I could get back to it like, or, but I, I still went to school, um, you know, did all the, the classes until, uh, the fifth year until I graduated from high school. Um, but I remember like, uh, in my, uh, secondary five, I missed half the day class. Okay. Because yeah. you were traveling for uh, Yeah, I was traveling events. and like I was in a sports study program where you only had school in the morning. Okay. And, but I, like, of those morning, I missed half of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you basically missed yeah. three-fourths three of, uh, okay, interesting. Um, and at this point, like you mentioned at the end of fifth grade, did you know that you kind of wanted to make it a career and that you could, you know, get the, into the national team and, you know, later on into the Olympics? And is there, yeah, is there a moment when you you really realize the, the, the talent or the, the uh, well, yeah, what you could reach. Could, the, yeah. The, um, yeah. Um, I think, w like I said, when I was 10 or 11, I knew that I wanted to uh, try for higher level. Okay. I, I was from a small town, swimming in a small club where like the provincial level was the most highest level yeah. you could reach. So I didn't even know like the junior level existed or it, you know it was not clear that the path you had to take to reach higher level but when i joined the the another program in my first year in high school um it become pretty quickly clear that i could reach the national level and that i was aiming for the national team and the olympics um so yeah like it, it was still pretty early um you know a, a young teenager when i realized that okay i, I have a shot and you know, reaching mm -hmm. um, the Olympics. 
Okay, and so what was your first like international event and when did you get into the, the national team? How old were you at that time? Uh, I was, when I was 15, I made like some kind of junior trip uh, to Europe and that was my first time uh, going uh, in Europe. Like my family never traveled there. So it was a big experience and I had the chance to race against uh, Olympians and like people that were my, that I admire. So uh, it was like the first, my first, um, my first time getting in touch with that level. It was not like a super big competition, but it was, dope, you know, these people that mm -hmm. um, I get the chance to meet and like race against. Um, and then my first international big competition was the World Championships and I was 17. Uh, that was back in 2001, so. Okay, so um, one technical question. I like to ask one or two max technical question about the sport. Um, there are four, I think, disciplines or the, the most uh, known in, in swimming. Um, when did you decide to uh, specialize in one, especially? And was there a reason for it? Or were you just good at this one? Or did you have, you know, a special talent or uh, potential? Um, and yeah, at, at what moment does that come? And I guess it, it also shapes the, 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 the rest of your career. Uh, in swimming, there's different strokes. There's first stroke, but there are also uh, different distance. Mm -hmm. And um, the strokes seem to be like way different from one another. But what really dictates the different training uh, is the distance you, oh, you choose. Okay. So, um, I, like, I was always, like, since maybe eight years old, I was I always wanted to do butterfly. Um, I don't remember at one point it was either because I liked it the best or I was the best at it. Like, <laughs> did I choose it? Did it choose me? It's still like uh, blurry. But um, I remember when I was a, a younger teenager, uh, there's there like two Olympic distance in butterfly. There's the 100, which is more like a sprint. Um, and there's the 200 that is uh, almost, um, you know, even though it's a little bit over two minutes for a woman, Uh, it's more like um, uh, like a 400 in running and, you know, like a, uh, not long distance, but, um, you know, uh, they, they call it mid-distance in okay. all the sports. Mm -hmm. So um, so in, in swimming, uh, a 200 fly, 200 breaststroke, 200 medley, it's called mid-distance uh, because you reach that level of um, energy uh, com consume, consuming that, you know, it's um, relevant to uh, these type of athletes. So when I was younger, I, I really wanted to be a sprinter. I knew I was not going to be tall. Uh, so, and my coach knew that too. So they were like always pushing me to do like either the trailer fly or even like in freestyle, the 400 meters, the longer distance. Um, but, um, you know, I, I became really good in the 100 and that's in the 100 that I almost made my first Olympic team. The 200 came, you know, where I was also doing the 200 at my first international com uh, competition and later um, at other big competition I did. Uh, but it's not until I was like maybe 22 that, you know, the 200 became my specialty. Okay, so is, the, and is, is it easier to move from, let's say the 200 meters Uh, backstroke to uh, f uh, butterfly or to freestyle than changing the distance? Is it easier to change a discipline on the same distance or to change distance on the same discipline? Uh, it really, it's different for everybody, but you see a lot of swimmers uh, doing mid-distance that are doing more than one distance. For example, Michael Phelps, <laughs> yeah. uh, he did all these strokes and yeah. people like, oh, he's doing all these different events. 
uh, it must be like even really hard to train for all that. But the reality is that it's harder to train for the 100 meter freestyle and the 400 meter, like doing both mm -hmm. these two, than training for, you for know, Michael Phelps yeah. doing the 200 fly, the 200 melee, the 400 melee. Uh, so these are still, I think, easier to train for if you're doing all these than training for a really short distance, but also a mid distance. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you turned pro in 2001? Yeah. Correct. Um, up until 2011, when you, um, had, you were diagnosed with uh, anxiety. Um, over the 10-year period, um, yeah, what did you reach career-wise and what do you think brought that anxiety is this something that was in you from the beginning and well you know, too much training too much pressure uh brought you to to this uh yeah so what's kind of your 10-year summary yeah. in a minute <laughs> of what happened and then we can dig more into you know, more specific yeah I, I think what happened over my career was you know i developed you know i was a young athlete on the team and um i missed uh two olympic team in a row so in 2000 that was before, like, you know, I got mm -hmm. my breakthrough, but still uh, in 2000, I was really close from making a team and it didn't work out. Um, I didn't take a lot of rest or time to, um, you know, think about what happened. Uh, and then in, uh, and I keep going and it ended up turning great because I made my first national team after that. But then in 2004, I had a really big disappointment when I did not make the team again. Um, and then, um, you know, it, it, it seems all right. And I, I keep on training and finally made the, the, the team in 2008. Uh, but, you know, going to the Olympics, it's hard. And I realized that when I, you know, uh, I arrived in Beijing and I had to race and, you know, it was not at the Olympics. I did not have the race I wanted. So it was another, a uh, little bit, another disappointment. And I think I just did not take the, the time to acknowledge the disappointment um, and to um, ask myself a question. And maybe like, um, you know, I, I'll never know exactly why I became so anxious at one point. But I think it's just like stuff adding to one another, like... Uh, uh, had a lot of pressure after Beijing uh, from um, uh, my coach that you know saw that I could do something, but it did not happen at the Olympics. Uh, and you know, um, I decided to because of that situation, I was not comfortable. I decided to change coaches um, in 2010, but and I think it made me better a little bit. Um, but then after you know a year with that new coach, who was great by the way, and it helped me a lot. I realized that maybe I needed some uh, s some help mm -hmm. in some ways. So, um, you know, uh, uh, back like one year before the London Olympics, um, I asked for help and, you know, the, 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 um, I received it. Like people were, I had an entourage that was there to help me, like uh, my swim coaches, but I had also a weight coaches that was uh, really there for me, asking questions and making sure I was okay to, uh, to work. Um, and like all kind of professional that were around me, like a, a psychologist and stuff that were, and so I was able to, um, keep on training for the Olympics, but, um, of course it was a little bit, uh, a setback because I had to train less and take care of other things. And of course, like my preference, my, my body was really high from all that anxiety. So, um, it was a hurdle uh, to, uh, go over, uh, in preparation for the London Olympics, but I ended up 
you know, making it there and uh, I had a great experience. Um, you know, I just had um, my goal in London was just to enjoy being there mm -hmm. and feeling good. And I know that if I was able to feel good and not too anxious, you know, just it's normal to be stressed behind a block at the Olympics. But if and if I knew if I was able to um, feel that way, you know, just before my race at the Olympics, the biggest sports stage, um, uh, then I knew that, you know, I could move on with my life and, you know, uh, tackle any other dream I had. So uh, I think that was uh, really important for me to, um, yeah, to try to do this. And I, when I ended up, you know, going to the Olympics, have a good swim and uh, feeling great about it, then that's where I was like, okay, you know, I can, it, it's not over. It will always be a challenge or at least like it was for um, a couple of years after that. But um, I knew I could you know, uh, tackle it and, you know, work towards uh, my mental health and towards mm -hmm. feeling better. Awesome. So you mentioned two very interesting things. One, you said uh, I wanted to make sure that I was ready to work. So you really considered swimming like a job in a sense um, uh, or, or a passion? Because you said work, so yeah. it's probably that in the back of your mind, it, it's a job. It was. Uh, I think when you reach the Olympic level, when, you know, I did not make a lot of money swimming, but still I was paid for it. You know, there was, um, uh, you know, uh, money you get from the government to, to, to do your training. And that swimming was paying for my food and, you know, my... Um, uh, my house and you know housing uh so um yeah like it was my work bad and it was like a work i really enjoyed and it was awesome and it was uh, i was really privileged to be able to do that but still i think at, at one point you have to consider it like work and put the, the same um I don't, I, I don't know if it's the right word, but, um, you know, cons consider it seriously mm -hmm. and approach it with professionalism and with, um, yeah, like uh, with a clear mind. So I think that's, um, that's the approach I had back then. And I think it helped me, um, you know, dealing with anxiety because it was not, oh my God, this is my passion and I might not be able to do it anymore. And mm -hmm. it, that's the end of the world. It was more like, okay, there's this thing like I really like to do, I'm paid to do it. And, you know, um, I have these people, these colleagues, these teammates, these um, professional around me that are there to help me. Um, they, they want me to succeed. Mm -hmm. um, that's their job to make me succeed. Uh, and it was, um, yeah, it really helped me. Um. Awesome. So um, you mentioned money and the money talk. <laughs> With all the, the guests that I've had so far, almost all of them, we kind of uh, went to do that a bit because I think it's very important. Uh, we mentioned just before starting uh, recording that lots of people will watch the Olympics thinking, oh, this guy or this girl had a medal so you know he's set for life or he's gonna get like a huge check or but that's not the case it is for the the kings of athletics or track and field it is for hockey it is for uh, very uh, well covered sports by the media uh, but it's not the case mm -hmm. necessarily for everyone so um was that a, a struggle for you do you think that can be also that can add to your um you know to your uh 
um, the, the weight that you carry on your shoulder as an athlete because you have to perform uh, purely in the swimming pool, but you also have to focus on you know, getting funding or getting money when you're not swimming and training. Do you think that adds up to, um, to yeah, the potential anxiety? And do you think there are ways to improve that, whether it's through funding to make it more professional or some sports more professional? And yeah, it's a loaded and <laughs> uh, very large uh, question, but yeah. Um, I think in my case, like because I was uh, successful so young, I I was able to get funding really quickly. Uh, so um, you know the the the, um, the burden never felt on my parents. Well, my parents had to support my dream for a couple of years, mm -hmm. but really quickly, um, I became you know I could pay for my own stuff. I was I I wouldn't say I made money out of it, but you know I was able to pay for my training for my trips. Uh, for my competition, uh, training camp, etc., um, and you know, uh, came even uh, at the end of the year with uh, the funding I, I got. Um, the reality too is that uh, swimming is not super expensive uh, compared to other sport, um, so that also helped because uh, some of the funding, uh, let's say the government funding, there it's the same for every sport. So if your sport is like alpine skiing mm -hmm. where you have to be uh you know travel around the world most of winter then you know it's really more expensive than swimming where um you know we have a, a couple of competition we need to pay for um out of our own pocket but like i mentioned like the you know all the games and uh, world championships and stuff like that it's usually uh covered by our sports organization so the, the you know the the competition you have to pay for it's more um the the, the ones that are gonna help you prepare for these big uh, competition of course there is a few and you can always do more and if i had like unlimited money i could mm -hmm. you know i would probably have you know traveled the world a little bit more but um I, as a swimmer i think it was easier um, not to, you know, have to struggle too much for money. Um, but every year, there's that, the pressure to get that funding and the opportunity, um, you know, the, the place where you have to swim fast to get that funding, it's, you know, it's at maybe one or two coming share a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is, like, stressful when, you yeah. know, your life, uh, you know, is down to, like, maybe one or two to race yeah it's crazy because you're not the first one to say that that it is pressure to get funding it's crazy when you are representing a country at the world's biggest event that you have to say that it is stressful to find money to be able to keep doing the sport that's something well, that it's I think not is, is finding the money that was it's just that you have to prove almost every year yeah. that you're the one deserving it you know there's other athletes behind you that wanted to so um i think i had You know, when I was uh, really good in my career, like I was, uh, I knew that I had funding for two years and that was really helpful, you know, like to know that I could um, work and uh, on my uh, swimming and um, that, uh, you know, I had two years to uh, improve or to, uh, mm -hmm. to perform, uh, even though like every year there was a big commission and you want to mm -hmm. obviously like win medals or mm -hmm. improve your time whatever um but it was helpful to you know uh, take out that stress a little bit um when it you know but the the, the founding up for the basic stuff but um you know there's always like stuff if you want um to really live uh, out of your sport and not to you know 
have to put some stuff on your credit card. Uh, you have to apply for other like private funding and stuff like that. So there, you're always like on the lookout for okay, who, mm -hmm. like where could I apply? Like I was a university student, so there there were some um, funding available for me because of that. Uh, so that was interesting, but you, you know, it's it was not a really big burden for me. Uh, but you know, I was not making a lot of money, and like, I was not able to spend stuff on private classes, private training, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, I used what um, what I had access to, um, but you know, I had to be wise uh, about the resources because yeah. uh, in my case, it was pretty limited. And when I meant resources, I you know, it was to help me swim better. Um, and, and do you think there are ways or, or programs that could improve that? Because you're now, I think, well, in the Olympic Committee or you're still in the sport world, but more in the background. Mm -hmm. Do you see stuff changing? Because in my perspective, I'm, I'm thinking a government spend money to, you know, attract tourists so that they can, you know, spend money here. But wouldn't the athletes be the best showcase of a country? Like, if you go to the Olympics, billions of people watch the Olympics. So wouldn't there be a way where governments invest more money in athletes so that they are shown more on TV and then that will bring people to visit countries in, in the end. So it's more a philosophical question, but you see stuff happening in the background where uh, you know yeah, uh, entities are trying to help athletes. Yeah, I think maybe the future might be um, into private funding. Um, You know, the, 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 you mentioned the, the media and th there are a lot about like professional sport, but with all the different type of media now, like of course, like um, traditional media, they're struggling, but there's all the, these other opportunities for uh, even the athlete to take their own voices out and to um, have their own brand more than ever uh, because they, they're not, they don't depend on, you know, uh, the coverage from, mm -hmm. you know, a, a TV channel or a, a major newspaper. I think that's the way it's moving, you know, it's um, more like online, more digital uh, and maybe in the long run that's going to attract like I'm, I'm going to call them private funding, but that might be like organization that are like uh, beside governmental or, you know, into interested in well-being and want to promote certain athletes certain sport uh and i think that you know could help athlete because the um the founding like s especially some of the sport it's you know it's they're struggling and they have mm -hmm. some sport that are like i mentioned really expensive too so i think that's the way to maybe um you know fill the gaps that exist between uh, what the government can you know, how far the government can support uh, high-level sport and, you know, what is needed to um, to perform on the, the world stage. Okay, so you might see me uh, take some notes on my computer. <laughs> not that I'm not listening, but I don't have a pen and a paper. So when you speak, I have ideas. So in order not to cut you, I'm taking notes to kind of <laughs> bounce back on some of the points. So because um, I like the discussion to go just on, on digging more on some of the points. Uh, at some point you mentioned uh, I was successful quite young. What was success? Um, I was I, I I just meant by that that I was successful at getting the funding really young, so I had access to um, like either like uh, the government funding or uh, the the funding from um, organization that were uh, 
you know, in my town, in my uh, region. So um, I think that, and of course the results were there, you know, like I was the, the best junior in the country. And uh, so these results attracted, you know, funding and open opportunity for me for sure. Okay. Um, th that wasn't a trap question. Was like, I would just want to know, put words on what success yeah. <laughs> is because it, it will differ yeah. from one athlete to the other. Um, so still on that topic, uh, what do you consider being your the pinnacle of your career or the, the best moment that you you consider you reached the top and mm -hmm. then you know after that it was ups and downs but what's the top moment in your um, career i think one of the top moment was um in, at the world championships in 2007 uh i came fifth in the final and like it was um like the 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 in the trying fly and at every step of the competition i had like a good swim i started with my best time in qualification mm -hmm. qualified first for the semis and then in semis i came you know fourth or fifth and then swim again uh, faster in the final so uh, and that's my best results uh, in the world championships uh, not by far but still um so um yeah i think that was and that i think that's really a special moment for me because that's the the combination to that i realized that i could swim the challenge fly you know and be good at it and that i i knew what to do uh before that you know i i, I said i was always doing the 100 fly and the 200 meter butterfly um you know every competition and the the 200 fly was always hard for me um you know i did not always know the strategy i was a little bit scared of it too um and at that condition i started enjoying it and uh, i have confidence that i could do it that you know i knew how to swim it uh, and you know that my strategy was working and that i i knew um yeah i knew i could you know um race with the the best girl in the world and be there and try to uh, reach the podium uh, what year was that again 2007 okay 2007 um so that's interesting because you, you mentioned that the the best moment is in the world championship uh but at the beginning when you were talking about the the path or the journey um you mentioned quite a lot the olympics as being kind of you know the kind of four-year period that you kind of aim toward uh yeah is there a reason or I is it really the olympics versus the rest or is yeah are the olympics kind of driving every four year your your goals and is it is it the main goal every time and in, in the middle there are you know uh, continental and international uh, races um i think as an athlete you have that long-term goal that is uh, really often the olympics uh because it's every four years and there's more attention to it and sometimes you know it's just uh, that's you know uh, a step other things are usually considered as step stones together um but uh when you get uh on the world stage there's always like every year there's a big convention um and world championships basically is the same people mm -hmm. it's all the the same uh same like in my case swimmers than at the olympics you know the people you yeah. that are uh, competing uh, at worlds are the one that um, are gonna try to qualify for the Olympics. So um, yeah, like uh, on, you know, if you look at stats and stuff as a, an athlete, you're like, okay, I need to perform uh, at Worlds. Uh, and that's uh, that that's equal to the Olympics in 
types of in terms of training in terms of you know uh preparation um the olympics it's more about you know yeah like uh, the attention to it there's of course an extra um i, I don't want to say stress but you know you need to um be able to deal with a little bit um bigger uh attention to it and yeah you need to be able to deal with other stuff at the olympic that are not necessarily uh, other world championships where you know it's more um really about the sports the olympic there's also all these other stuff around it mm -hmm. that maybe like distraction for some mm -hmm. athletes okay um so talking about the olympics you participated in three editions you kind of missed two 2000-2004 so meaning your career was spread over six, 15 16 years which is quite long it's amazing longevity <laughs> um I, i read i don't know if it's still valid that you were kind of the longest uh, or, or one of the longest career in, in swimming for canada um yeah what makes it possible how can you stay at the top level because if you're a high level athlete and if you almost make it or make it to the olympics five consecutive times it means that you have something different right mm. some people are most athletes will maybe participate in two you know before they are too young after they are too old yeah what made you different and what made you uh, able to stay so long at, uh, at the highest level including you know that um, that period in in 2011 and maybe a, a bit after where it was more of a low how do you come back uh, uh, to the top Um, I think like to be able to stay in the sport that long, you have to be really passionate about it and to be uh, willing to, you know, do different uh, type of stuff. And uh, I think that's, you know, I would have get bored doing always the same thing, like four years after four years. I think uh, because I was willing to try new stuff, to change coach, to try a new way to train, um, that's what, you know, keep it interesting and challenging. Um, of course, like... To be honest, by the time I reached my uh, third Olympics, I knew that, you know, I might, I, I probably wouldn't swim my best time, but I was, um, I was able to find other stuff other than the 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 the, the, the time to uh, to improve, to experience, um, and uh, to feel proud about. So I think that's you know that's my strength. Uh, my strength uh, as a, a swimmer was to. Um, yeah, to be really passionate about my sport, but also to be able to find uh, new ways to uh, experience it and new ways to improve in it, like new, yeah, like new goal in it that, mm -hmm. you know, and that did not always, like sometimes, you know, it was a medal, like at the, uh, in 2014, I wanted a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, uh, at all the other colors. Uh, so that was a goal. Like, that was pretty simple. I want to win that race. Uh, but other times it was more about, like, um, improving the way I was swimming, improving um, in training, uh, improving the way I was failing behind the block. Like I mentioned, like in 2012, that was my challenge at the Olympics to be able to feel confident, to feel uh, well about myself. So that was always uh, stuff Uh, I was, you know, that keep me going uh, for uh, until 2016 to be able to, you know, deal with the stress, deal with the, the, the team around me um, and learn new stuff about the sport that maybe I could take over and in, um, into my other career after. Okay, interesting. And when you mentioned that, that pressure <coughs> that you have to live with in a way, um, is it more self-inflicted? 
is it more your direct entourage or is it more the news and we mentioned before it's not swimming is quite well known across the world and it's it's covered by the media uh but it's not hockey mm -hmm. it's not basketball whatever so you don't necessarily have that pressure from the news and and the people and the bashers and all that uh yeah so what what kind of pressure and is it a mix of both in a way or is it the i always want to be better that at some point just fires back at you um i think like a lot i'm a perfectionist so i had to work on that i think like a lot of the pressure wor was uh, self-inflicted um i think i was lucky enough to have parents that you know they were super proud um and that i made the olympics that i you know about everything i did but um If I would have said, oh, uh, you know, I, I did all these stuff, and but now I want to do other things, I'm tired of it, they will have been okay with it. So there, mm -hmm. there was never uh, that pressure from my family to keep going and, you know, win more medals and, you know, um, do more competition. Um, but um, after, I think the only time I felt like an outside pressure that really distract me or really bum me out <laughs> uh, was uh, after I missed the Olympic the second time and you know people started uh, to say all the these things like oh she'll never make it she's not strong enough mm -hmm. or uh, like s some stuff were just like not that mean but oh she's too short she's too small um, she doesn't have what it takes to to make it and so on so you know you try to be strong you try to put these things and um, you know, uh, behind you and not to pay attention to these uh, people. But, you know, it, it, it's some kind of, it's not, you know, they, they don't try to put pressure on you, but it kind of does, you know, like mm -hmm. those uh, negative uh, words. Um, that's very interesting. And do you think mental health is becoming more of a topic or people are less shy of talking about it? Because 2011 when you uh, were, I don't know if it's diagnosed with, yeah. with anxiety, you pr you talked about it and then you decided to act on it. Uh, but it was pretty early uh, at that time, like no one was talking about this or at least almost no one no, in the sport yeah. world was talking about that. So you kind of were a pioneer in a sense. Uh, you became an advocate in that um, now, even after your career to kind of help athletes and maybe younger athletes that put a lot of pressure on them at you know 14 already because they are reaching amazing levels. Um, yeah, so did you kind of use your experience to help uh, people after that? Uh, yeah, I talked a lot about my experience and, um, you know, other people came to and, you know, had other uh, experience that sometimes were a little bit more, I don't want to say serious, but I think what's interesting about uh, my experience is that it can affect like a lot, lot of people, you know, you know, um, but you don't have to uh, go through the depression to uh, feel anxious uh, and to, you don't have to go through, through a depression to feel, you know, just to raise a flag and say, oh, I'm not going to anything bad. I don't want to, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm still able to compete, but I'm not 100% okay. And that was my case, you know, um, I was not in danger in any way, but I was not, Um, living my best life. I was not performing. Um, but, and when I say performing, I'm, I'm not only uh, saying uh, swimming, you know, I was not performing in my daily life as I should have, uh, interacting with other people as, as I should have because anxiety was taking so much space and, you know, um, preventing me for, you know, just experiencing life at, at its fullest. So I think that's, that's my, me the message I uh, shared with the uh, athletes and other people. It's like, 
you might not be like super down or at rock bottom, but you might not also be like but don't performing wait. at your don't best or feeling, yeah. you know, like you should. And you deserve to feel mm -hmm. to feel the, the the best you can. You know, it's normal. Everybody's gonna have ups and downs, and like days they don't feel, um, you know, super well. But um, if every day for a long period you're feeling that way it's not normal mm -hmm. like ask for help and do and you think also that before and in maybe 2011 in the, in the 2010s um people were not or athletes were not talking about that because there was some sort of a shame that you know you're even if you don't make a medal at the world championship you're among the 10 20 best in the world in your you know category and people didn't feel comfortable saying hey i don't feel good enough even though I'm you know, at the top level, I shouldn't feel bad because you know I'm I'm supposed to be up there. Um, it happens with entrepreneurs, people with a lot of money. They kind of say, "Oh, I have enough. I should have enough to be happy or to feel okay." So I'm not going to mention that because it's probably just me feeling like this, <laughs> and I'm actually not bad, but you actually are. Um, so yeah, do you think there was kind of a this block, this limitation of oh, I'm at the top level, I cannot show any sign of weakness, and I'm supposed not to feel bad, so mm. I'm not going to say that I'm feeling bad, or bad is the generic word, but yeah, you know, yeah, there are uh, all not, kinds of, yeah. uh, of words for that. Yeah, I think it was really that back then, you know, it was uh, perceived as only some people have mental health, I'm not going to say problem, or it, it was just a challenge, you know, like mm -hmm. um, this, oh, you know, so if you're one of those person, then you won't be able to achieve mm -hmm. great uh, level uh, in you know entrepreneurship or in yeah. sport or whatever uh, i think now we know that you know anybody for a certain time uh, can experience like challenge struggle whatever um so when it happens to an athlete there's more openness about and it's more it's not about oh so he's gonna or she's gonna be sidelined for a while it's more like okay Do you need to be sidelined if that's what you need? But um, even more, like, how can we help you? What can we do? Um, and because now uh, there's enough experience with mental health that, you know, uh, that the, the system knows that, you know, most of these athletes, they're going to come back mm -hmm. uh, in com to, uh, to commission. They're going to come back to achieve great things to the, the high level. So, um, yeah, I feel that there's... Well, there's definitely more help and more understanding around. Um, it, it's probably not perfect, um, but uh, it's way better now. Okay. And do you think this pressure is also you know, from the environment? Uh, as you said, you started young, but there are more and more athletes starting very young. You see it in cycling when you have people winning the Tour de France. They're not even 20. Um, there is a, a swimmer now, uh, Summer McIntosh, she's what, 16, and she broke world records. But... Is it starting too early in a way? And we realize that the body can perform that young, but, you know, the brain and the person is not necessarily grown up enough and that can add pressure. And it feels like also people are ending their career much earlier as we go. Uh, it's kind of shifting to the left. You know, you have your career earlier. Um, so, yeah, it, it, do you think that also has an impact that, you know, expectations come much earlier as we as we go um on people that are n aren't necessarily ready for that huge pressure that you can feel at the top level um i i'm not a specialist but from what i've seen in young athletes um they usually um you know perform very well under pressure because they have that you know um 
they don't know a lot of stuff. So for them, sometimes it's even easier. They don't feel the pressure the same way than an older athlete uh, does. Um, so I don't see any problem with it. Like, you know, usually, uh, especially now, they're, you know, um, they have like professional around them, especially in high level sport. Um, so it just, you know, um, I think that the, the what need to be taken care of is that, you know, they have uh, adult uh, that are advocate for them, you know, if, um, just making sure they're okay, they're not too tired, they're, um, and, you know, I think in most cases, these athletes do have around them adults, uh, figure that are there to protect them. Um, so I don't see, like, it need to, uh, that we need minimum age to perform at the Olympic. I know in gymnastics, there is now for, um, for good reason, and that, that sports, uh, just, um, needed to put in place a system where uh, for to protect your athletes, but I don't I don't think we need it in like love sports. Uh, what I think uh, need to be taken care of is just making sure these athletes, as they get older, uh, they're okay with it. Like mm -hmm. if and if uh, an athlete that you know uh, was um, won medal, Olympic medal, or whatever success uh, they did uh, at an early age, if they want to stop their sport, then who are we to say, oh, he quit, he had been done. It, it, you know it, something's wrong with it maybe like um there's no problem with this person he just don't feel like you know he was really happy doing that as a teenager doing sport doing eye level tra traveling and stuff maybe as an adult is a different person mm -hmm. he, grew, he grew up out of it and now he wants to achieve other stuff and that's okay too um if uh, that athlete still want to um, to stay in the sport and you know go around for uh, another uh, Olympic cycle or whatever, then um, just uh, to make sure that um, everybody understand that is not that 16 years old anymore. I think that's mm -hmm. where um, you know sometimes uh, athletes that are uh, in high level sport really young, they're expected to be the same person and to behave the same way when they're 24. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to happen. Nobody, um, even you know, in the, the professional world, when I first started working um, in my early 30s, I was not uh, behaving the same way than right now that I, mm -hmm. I'm almost 40. So why are we expecting it uh, from you know, kids that grew out of it and now they're young adults. And of course, g they're going to uh, behave a, a, a different way than where they were teenagers. Some of them are still going to perform very well. Some of them are even going to be better. Some of them are going to be a little bit, you know, um, in, in the swimming world slower or, you know, not uh, as successful. And that's okay, too. Do they bring something to the team? Probably. Um, so, uh, in something valuable too. And that, uh, so, um, yeah, I just say, uh, I think it's important, but that, um, at any point, uh, that either a, a teenager or a young adult that was successful in the past, um, when you decide that he had enough, he had enough and that's it. That's not really a, a failure of the system. Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes it is when they're injured, when, you know, they're not mentally okay. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, they cannot take it anymore. That's a problem that needs to be fixed. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes they're just like, I enjoyed sport. I did, you know, I achieve a lot of stuff for some of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to move to other stuff. And I think that's something we can all relate now, you know, yeah. like, People decide to change jo jobs at any age. Um, so in sport, it's the same thing. 
um so yeah it's it's a mindset mindset mm. shift and it seems like it's very important to consider the kind of the mix between personal expectations to you know achieve or, or success or perform um and external expectations when people that perform at the top mm. they have um Commandy, they have sponsors, they have people that, you know, they sign They're contracts. They're push them a little bit. That's say, hey, you have, going. exactly, yeah. you have a four-year contract and you make X, but you still have to <laughs> perform. So even if you don't feel okay, yeah, you can mention it, but still you have to, you know, go back in the swimming pool and swim. So yeah, there there's a kind of soft balance that um, probably has an impact also on mm. the, you know, mental and health as a whole and performance yeah. and, you know, well-being. Yeah, and that's what I said when, like, the people are younger, uh, teenager, young adult, they need to have someone... Um, that's gonna stand the ground for them. Yeah. That's gonna make sure. That gonna advocate for them. You okay. know what they want, what they need. Yeah, a guard. Uh, and not guard think about that, their wallet mm -hmm. or their success. Yeah, like a guard that protects yeah, them a, from a guardian, sharks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, you, I think it's on on your website that I read. You said that a free person is a person that has a plan B, and that it kind of helped you. I think uh, when you were. Uh, Uh, when you were suffering from anxiety. So what was your, your main plan B? And that brings a transition to the, the after career and what, uh, what you're doing now. And also, you know, how you transition from um, traveling the world, training for 16 years every single day-ish, uh, to like a more maybe corporate, uh, corporate job. So yeah, what was the plan B? And did you make that your plan A? And <laughs> what's now your plan B? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I had other things going on while I was swimming. Um, you know, people call them plan B, but I don't see a hierarchy like that all the time. Of course, like when I was in university, swimming was taking probably more time. Um, you know, I was putting more time in swimming than in my studies, even though I really wanted to um, do well uh, in uh, in my class too. Um, but like, the, the, if I'm truthful, uh, you know, swimming was my priority. And like, if I had to, you know, miss a class for a competition, it was not a problem. If I had to maybe cut on my study hours to be ready for a, a practice, that's probably what I would do. But um, I, I, I was, it was helpful for me to have other things to validate me uh, and to feel good about myself. Because, of course, like... When you're studying at the UMC, you're not gonna perform well on mm -hmm. every paper you do, um, and it's the same thing in swimming. You know, you're not gonna swim super fast every practice you do. So to have two things, like sometimes when you know at school it was a little bit depressing, I was it was hard, I was uh, reaching you know hurdles. Then to have swimming to think about other stuff, to it was helpful. But the opposite was also true. Even though swimming was my main thing, and that was swimming, what was was actually paying for my university, mm -hmm. and what was paying for my food, and you know, transportation, everything, um, to have uh, another place where I could be something else, something uh, else than you know, just an athlete. Um, well, being an athlete is a lot, but something else than an athlete. Um, then it was, uh, yeah, just giving me confidence too. Um, So uh, I think that the, the, the two were the two side and the two um, dimension of myself were helping each other. Um, and then when um, so that's where, you know, I graduated from university in 2010 and I 
after that, I did other stuff, other uh, uh, classes, um, and because I felt important, you know, it was important for me to achieve other stuff mm -hmm. and to be validated by other results, and to maybe like even face other challenge too. You know, like uh, when in the these classes, I was not always like super successful, but to have to work um, on other stuff and to face other uh, challenge, it was helpful too for you know, myself as a person, but also as an athlete. Okay, so I think you're selling yourself short just a bit because what I read is, <laughs> so you have, you went to Université de Montréal, but then, so in communications and politics, and then you also have a certificate in administration and a certificate or diploma in um, broadcast journalism, which came after and after. Uh, so it seems like you're kind <laughs> of a, I'm interested in different uh, different topics. Uh, so yeah, what what was kind of your your uh, your thought in those different diplomas, and what's kind of what what do you want to achieve? And of course, you're an overachiever like any person. <laughs> you're making it to the Olympics, so you probably apply that to your normal life or after uh, uh, swimming uh, life. So yeah, what was the the thinking behind all those di diploma? And uh, what do you do now? I see author, journalist, speaker. <laughs> I uh, also see that you uh, you read and post stuff about what you read. So yeah, very curious to hear <laughs> all of that. <laughs> Don't have to expand on yeah. everything. Just what you what you uh, uh, are passionate with. I think when I started the uh, well, you know, my biggest school achievement is probably my bachelor degree. Um, so it's in communication and politics. And when I chose that topic, uh, of course, I was interested in communication. I saw it in journalism. I was in contact with a lot of journalists, you know, as an athlete. Uh, and politics, because I wanted to learn, like, I, I was traveling the world, wanted to learn a little bit more about it. I was not that much interested in to like provincial politics and stuff like that. But, I, you know, I did the classes and it was um, eye-opening for me, I think. Um, and um, I had in the back of my mind that maybe I would do a master in politics or a, a subject around that. And because um, I was picturing myself maybe working abroad uh, after I was done with swimming, you know, working in embassy because I, uh, as an athlete, I visited embassies, uh, consulates and stuff. So I was in contact with that. I knew that existed and that people worked there. Um, so I think that's why I choose that. It was like the, the combination of uh, two things uh, I think I could do. Um, and after that, um, uh, administration was just because... Um, I felt that it could help me, you know, work uh, in uh, in communication uh, in for organization. It was just like a general knowledge stuff. Uh, and then I went into um, the, the, the the private school for broadcast journalism, uh, and it was really interesting. It was really, um, yeah, trying different stuff, and it was really applied uh, compared to uh, my university degree. So it was really okay. So you build. Uh, uh, a news uh, bulletin and you, you you do it you perform it so that was uh, really interesting it was all um, I think these subjects were all a little bit re related to each other and I use most of most of these things mm -hmm. um, in uh, my current uh, professional life maybe oh. not that much the, the politics but all 
you know stuff there's you always learn. politics yeah, there's always everywhere a, a, there's always <laughs> politics everywhere so yeah it's always useful okay so and you um you said now so you were the olympics uh, committee you are doing some community management uh, writing also so yeah. you apply the, the writing part of communication yeah uh, yeah w what's the what's the passion around that do you have like a natural talent that <laughs> you try to apply or is it more like a goal that you're trying to, uh, to achieve um i i started my personal life after rio And community management came to me as, you know, a way to pay my bills. Um, I was uh, doing, um, I was doing a, a stage. Uh, internship. Internship. Uh, it was a paid internship into a, a, a sports uh, writing agency. Uh, and then I was uh, work, like, looking for new stuff to do. And uh, the, 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 the sports center where I was training, uh, and I was still like going to the pool like as a former athlete just to stay active, um, they were looking for a new community manager. Uh, and because I was an athlete, I was, you know, I had little um, knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, because I graduated in 2010, I did not have any university class in, mm -hmm. you know, any digital, uh, you know, management <laughs> or digital communication. Uh, but, I, you know, I took a little of a day class uh, with uh, and workshop. Um, and that's where I started, and um, I, that was the start of a, a long career in community management and uh, content creation uh, that way. So I experienced with different clients, uh, and um, two years ago, um, a position came out uh, for the Canada Olympic Committee. Uh, it was posted. Uh, and I was like, oh, uh, there's like two Olympic com coming up. Uh, that'd be great to uh, to work, you know, mm -hmm. um, around it. So uh, I apply and I, I got the job. So um, while I was working uh, with the, the Canadian Olympic Committee, um, I uh, specialize uh, a little bit more into like writing um, and just like writing writing content creation. Um, so um, now that's what I try to put forward, you know, writing stuff, uh, and a little bit less the, the community management. But I still mm -hmm. do it for um, for an organization that is uh, really close to me and really close to uh, the subject we talked about, mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, the, the the there's a um, in the CC there's this other uh, organization um, that is called uh, Game Plan. And um, it's for athletes' well-being and well-around, um, you know, they're, they're so that they can be, like, successful in their sport, but also outside the sports. So, um, yeah, I, I do uh, community management for that organization for uh, um, and I've been, like, on contract for the last couple of months. And so it's great. But, uh, yeah, right now I'm really trying to uh, move forward with writing more stuff uh, and getting more uh, freelance uh, writing work. So um, I'm still, you know, writing about athletes. But um, the interesting stuff now is that I'm a point that sometimes I get contact for other subjects, like, totally different. And I think um, the biggest... You know, I, I do my stuff and I don't uh, always realize, you know, that, the, the, you know, as a, a freelancer, especially you get like sometimes a little disappointment or you didn't that mm -hmm. get that gig or, but um, 
uh, a couple of weeks ago, like one of the person I'm working with uh, and that army was like, yeah, you know, I, I love those paper about uh, sports and like motivation that you wrote, but you can write about like other stuff too, like anything not related to sport. And I was like, oh yeah, like people are actually interested uh, in me writing about other stuff and I think that's kind of an accomplishment mm -hmm. for now uh, of course I am you know trying to put go a little bit uh, further with you know writing uh, a, a book I have in mind and stuff like that but uh, baby steps and mm -hmm. hopefully like you know I will, I will reach that goal too eventually so what would that book be about uh have different like ideas and projects i have like i'd like to write a fiction um maybe not something that close to me but uh not maybe not in the sports world uh but i also have like this other project that is a little bit more um more concrete because i actually like have stuff written uh about it but um you know it'd be like just um little stories that I, uh, I experienced while I was a, a swimmer uh, around like competition, around my athlete's life, uh, but not really like a biography, just like little um, bits, and, clips, pieces, bits uh, and pieces and like, uh, you know, uh, even like e editorial, I have to say about um, what, you know, what happened or the sports world. Okay. Is there a bit of your work that we can share in the podcast notes or is there a, a a spot where we should read uh, what you uh, what you create. Um, I have nothing out yet, but uh, the, the 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 blogs uh, I'm writing uh, for uh, the Parc Olympique. So I wrote like stuff like about sport, for mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know more <laughs> subjects are coming up. But yeah, so um, I, I like to write about like just well-being and how you can use sports um, to feel better. And uh, right now, I'm really not into. Uh, a competitive, uh, you know, I a don't run any <laughs> any race. I don't uh, train really. Um, uh, you know, I I'm really uh, not. I, I need to be more active, but I I don't train. You know, I I'm just active when I feel like it, um, and I think that's what I like to share with uh, the readers. So okay. yeah, interesting. So um, and is there any on the Canadian Olympic? Uh, community website we can find some of the, the pieces and articles that you wrote about oh yeah like i there's a lot of, out there from the past 20 months and i'm still writing so every monday uh my team uh and i we put out um just a roundup of the weekend so that's really a results based okay. you know if you want to know the the big performance uh in the the olympic sports world on monday then that's your place to go and on um on Thursday, Friday, I always write the weekend preview. So that's your place to... Uh, I always select like five sports, five different competitions that, you know, um, people um, that want to um, watch or uh, get to know about the uh, Olympic level competition. Um, so that, you know, I select five sports, five competition, and um, I uh, explain like either how you can follow it, watch it, or uh, who are the athletes you should uh, be on the watch for. Okay. Is this the olympic.ca website or is it? 
Yeah, it's yeah. Olympic that's here website. So it, I'm showing my computer. Is that the kind of related stories? Because yes. here I'm on your page, <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> and then I, at the bottom, there's always like three yeah. uh, three articles. Um, yeah, is, is that kind of olympic.ca yeah, and then your you name? You know what's funny? That's my, you know, athletes page. Yeah, so exactly. my writers page um, is not up to date. So I don't think um, if you go to my athletes page, you won't see anything yeah, it's not related, uh, related to my ri writing uh, stuff okay. so um if you just go to the home page of the oh, .ca, okay. uh, then you'll see uh, you know different uh, type of content mm -hmm. and um, i wrote some of them okay. <laughs> um and uh, over the years i also uh, wrote about like Um, I did some where are they now about uh, athletes. Okay, so uh, so you get to know, like, uh, I wrote one last uh, fall about Charles So where is he now, you know, a few months after his retirement? Um, I also, like, did some other athletes. Um, so, that, you know, like, um, it was really interesting and, um, you know, adrenaline-driven. Uh, to write uh, about sports results, especially during the Olympics. You know, you have to be really quick, but it's also really fun to take your time and to, you know, go on the web, go on the athlete Instagram page and see what's going on with them and uh, who they are as a person. Uh, so, yeah, I had that child piece that, uh, child Amelie's piece that I really liked, uh, and I, I had to write to um, when Kiwi's full up when he retired, Uh, I was asked to do like a really funny piece about uh, how she, like who she is as a person. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, my editor, she was like, um, you know, Audrey, you know, she's retiring, so it really needs to be about her, not like because she's part of the Defosis La Pointe sisters. Uh, so, like, my editor was like, you really need to be about Chloe, you know, just her. And I was like, yeah, I'm gonna find stuff. Like, she's, and uh, I did. And when uh, it was supposed to be a French only place because I, I wrote, uh, I write in French. But then uh, when the editor and the, the rest of the team read it, they were like, oh, this can easily be translated and that's gonna be interesting for a wider audience. Uh, so I was really proud of it. Like, oh, that's know, it was a really simple thing, but just to uh, be able to give to that athlete like a little uh, spotlight on mm -hmm. uh, on the, the the Olympic website, it, it felt great. Perfect. So we'll put some notes and we'll uh, we'll share your writer's page because your athlete's page is yeah. easy to find. It's <laughs> yeah. probably the, first it's the easiest to find, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's something we have to give to Olympic. Let's see, I don't know if someone works in SEO optimization or whatever, but. As soon as you put an Olympic athlete name on Google, one of the first three results is Olympic.ca and the athletes page. So yeah. it's easy to find <laughs> athletes information, but finding your information on the kind of after career seems uh, uh, less obvious. So I will share th those details. Uh, yeah, so it seems like you're doing all right, at a different level, but uh, mm -hmm. some of what I'm trying to do is researching before uh, talking to the person, um, the stuff that you know, are not on the front page of Google, but, you know, what uh, what mm -hmm. happened in their career, who, who the person is behind uh, what we see on, you know, for example, olympic.ca. So uh, very, uh, very cool. Um, so what are the, what is the Olympic uh, Committee purpose? It's a very wide question. So the Olympic yeah. Committee, of course, is about <laughs> the Olympics and Olympic athletes, but what's the what's their motto? What, what are they trying to achieve as an organization? And yeah, how, how, how are you a part of it? Um, The, the, the Canadian Olympic Committee is a, like any uh, national Olympic Committee. Their main uh, 
the main thing they do is send athletes to the Olympics. Okay. Uh, so, like, I have colleagues in Montreal that were, you know, really on the logistics of, you know, sending athletes to games and, like, uh, buying stuff and making sure they're okay. Uh, but um, there's also all that, you know, uh, in between the Olympics that need to be taken care of. National committee need to be supported, like the sports uh, organization. Uh, and my department, uh, which is normally based in Toronto, the only reason I was uh, in Montreal that it, it was because they needed a French speaker. Okay. Um, is really more about um, you know trying to get those private funding we were uh, talking about. So uh, marketing and how we can appro approach sponsor to uh, sponsor either like sports, the Canadian Olympic Committee, or even um, some athletes. Uh, and my you know my place in that was to actually create content uh, for the website. Um, to uh, to help Canadian fans uh, get involved with you know Olympic sports, Olympic athletes, mm -hmm. uh, Olympic games, um, and of course like the, the 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 big moments are during the Olympics, but also to keep that passion, Olympic interest alive uh, in between games. Um, so that's why we do like those roundup every Monday. So you know because it I find out it's always more um, entertaining, more interesting. Um, to watch an athlete perform when you know the background, when you know what they've done before, who mm -hmm. they are, um, you know. So I think, and you know, it, like uh, like we mentioned before, uh, when you you saw an athlete win an Olympic medal, when you saw them uh, succeed or uh, go through stuff, then you might want to know what the you know where you are now, yeah, <laughs> what they're yeah, doing yeah, now. Yeah. So uh, it's just yeah to. Um, uh, to keep that, you know, Olympic flame uh, alive uh, in between games um, on the, 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 the website and on the, the social media. Uh, and that's a way to, to get sponsorship, uh, a little bit like a media. So we're acting, uh, the digital um, department where I work is acting a little bit like a media with the same, you know, um, struggle, but also the same uh, perks. Okay, that's awesome. So... If there's anything I can do at some point, because I think 80% of the people that I've interviewed so far are Olympic athletes. Others are more on the like sports team. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to, uh, I don't know, understand better <laughs> and more depth, not just on this recording, but what the, the Olympic committee is doing. And uh, yeah, I hope this podcast can you know give uh, an overview of who, uh, what are you doing now, right? <laughs> I hope it's going to be a, uh, that type of content that uh, that is helpful. Um so looking back, if you were uh, to give an advice to the 10-year-old ten ten year you, what would it be? A few advice if you, if you have to. Um, never lose sight of what, why you're doing, you know, swimming. What do you're doing this? Um, and, you know, keep asking, your, keep asking questions uh, and stand tall for yourself. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so the two questions that I always ask uh, at the end of the, the podcast is, so I don't know if you, you did participate in a few relays uh, at the Olympics, right? So if that were to be a, a relay and you were to pass the baton, it's not really a baton. Yeah, swimming, we just touch uh, the wall. It's swimming. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were to touch the wall, who should be the next person jumping into the podcast? Wow, that's almost a good analogy. Uh, yeah, and a Canadian athlete that you might, uh, you, you know, has a, a great story to tell. Um, I don't know if you'd be like, it, it might be a little bit different for you, but uh, one of my good friends, 
uh, is uh, a Paralympic swimmer. Okay. Uh, and he won like 20 medals uh, at the Paralympics. Uh, he's not retired, he's my age, he's a bit older. But um, yeah, he's really, um, you know, really easy to talk to and he has so many stories. Um, so Benoit Huot is, I think he was, I don't know if it's still accurate, but he was uh, the Paralympic hockey with the most uh, medals. Uh, at the Paralympics. So, um, you know, amazing performance, uh, but also, um, you know, he, he, he experienced and was, uh, is not like his disability is not visible. It's, you know, one of the, his category is one of the, the, the highest. So it, it, his Closest disability is really small, yeah. but he was really an advocate for all the Paralympic athletes to get more visibility and more accessibility to, to sports. So that would yeah. be that would be fantastic. I think half of the or not half like a third of the, the people I've had here recommended someone in the Paralympic um, sport or death sport also, mm. uh, which is amazing because I think it's it's great to like shed some light and, and mm. put the spotlight on the Paralympics because we mentioned some sports are under covered by the media, but Paralympics is like, you know, a yeah. tenth <laughs> or a hundredth of what, you know, yeah. of the coverage the, the that we have. Like the, uh, like, yeah, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's news, like a, a also sport, a yeah. different, different period so, in the year. Yeah. So it, it's amazing. So uh, I will have so many questions. I'll, I'll have to prepare <laughs> twice as much before because I have so many questions because it's so uh, not covered. Um, yeah, the next question is um, I'm building a wall of fame, which is uh, starting to look nice. Um, no, no swimmer came on the podcast yet. So do you have any gear, for like a, 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 say a hat <laughs> or a, a bunny cap, or yeah. uh, a cap or uh, uh, glasses or anything from your career or anything that you know is at the bottom of a drawer and that you might uh, you might spare? Yeah, I probably have like uh, a few caps left. Uh, they turn like a lot of them turn a little bit yellow though. yeah because uh, yeah because they were white and, uh, white in the silicone yeah but uh, yeah i probably have a few uh, that's a collectible that's perfect because yeah. yeah. actually I've, i tried to swim sometime but i have long hair and i have no cap that fits me <laughs> so uh, it will definitely stay on the wall and won't go on, <laughs> <laughs> on my head uh awesome so where um i think you answered that already but where should the follower uh, listeners follow you i guess on the olympic.ca uh, page for your writing part anywhere yeah. else uh, well, um, I think I'm really active on Instagram and I have my own uh, bookstagram. Mm -hmm. So that's another account. Uh, and name? the reason I came up with the bookstagram is just that, you know, I wanted to share my, um, you know, what I was reading and my books. I really like to read. Um, and uh, when I was posting about it in my, on my, you know, um, personal page, pa personal yeah. page, I didn't get more, you know, it would get less attraction. And so, and a lot of former athletes face that, you know, you build uh, an audience while you were an athlete and these people are interested in some stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as you change and, you know, uh, you work or, you know, you're passionate about other things, uh, you have other hobbies, um, then, you know, that audience might not, you know, be the, 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 the appropriate one for yeah. other stuff you're doing. So that's where I created uh, a, another uh, account. So what's uh, the, the so name of both, uh, both accounts? Um, I think my personal page is just my name. So Audrey Lacroix. Uh, and the bookstagram is uh, Chapitre d'Audrey. So um, I read a book in uh, French mostly, but also in English. Because 
I don't like to read translation. I don't, I don't trust other people <laughs> 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 because sometimes I have to do it. Uh, you know, I translate sports mm -hmm. results or uh, article for, um, you know, clients and the Canadian Olympic Committee. Um, and I think I'm doing a good translation, translation job, but I'm always intrigued by, you know, what the writer, what the author wanted to say. And if it's in a language I understand, mm -hmm. I understand French and English, then I want to read that, you okay. know. Uh, of course, I read translation when it's in Spanish or, you know, Swedish. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like... Uh, when you know a, a novel is written in English, then I'm gonna read uh, read it in the the language it was uh, first written. Awesome. So those two pages will be the the spot where we read about personal things, and then and your the professional <laughs> and the books. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the, oh yeah. yeah. So personal <laughs> things, the books that you read, and yeah. also the Olympic uh, yeah. CA website for your more professional sport-oriented things. Yeah, and uh, also uh, the parcolympique.ca. Uh, for uh, but that's a French only website uh, for stuff about uh, sport, well-being, mm -hmm. uh, cultural events, um, and uh, amongst other things. Perfect. Sign me up to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Olay. That was wonderful. Nice discussion with you. Um, we wish you the best and leading up to next year in Paris. I'm sure you have uh, quite a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. If you're still here, it's probably because you liked the episode, right? So, if you want the podcast to grow and get more exceptional athletes, you can play your part by following us on your favorite podcast platform and on Instagram at unfiltered.athletes. It really helps us. And until next time, enjoy life! <laughs> <laughs>